Welcome. We are the Projectile Lunchcast, a group of friends with a combined professional video games industry experience of over 20 years. More importantly, we have collectively been discussing video games for close to a century, including during most of our lunch breaks. People forced to witness these arguments kept telling us to just get a room and make a podcast. So that's what we did. We don't think they had any idea what they were bargaining for, yet here we are. And we couldn't be more excited to have you, dear listener, join us on this adventure. Everybody, welcome back to another Projector Lunchcast episode, episode 55, in fact. And once again, it's Marcel, that's me, you, and I'm so glad that you're joining us. And finally, you know, to complete our, our eclectic round of uh, video game discussionators, that's a great word, right? It's Busty. Hi, Busty. Hi, hi. I should, uh, let's let's stop recording. I gotta go and uh, get a trademark on the word discussionators. Oh, yeah, you should do that. Perfect opportunity. Also, um... Get the web uh, address. Wait, like, wh- how about discussionados? Like, you know, Dis- like an aficionado discussion. That sounds that sounds okay. fancy. We should. That that sounds like a great great title for a podcast. Exactly. Like the projector lunchcast is over. Welcome to the first episode of the Bastian Marcel video game discussionados hour. I love it. So do I. Uh, still no trace of what's his face. Um, uh, William, right? Uh, it, it was it was a super cliche basic Anglo-Saxon Michael, name. I forgot. Like probably Andrew. David. I can't remember. Uh, anyways, remember. there was this guy who used to be here. He's not here today. Um, despite like I've seen a single person. Uh, a shout out to Danny. I've seen a single person on Twitter who said like hashtag free Richard. All oh, right, that's it, Richard. Somebody said free Richard hashtag, um, which is probably the most attention Richard has ever gotten on social media. So congratulations, my friends, wherever you may be. So, I mean, uh, I, I tried to get hold of David Hayter. Um, it's really rough right now. Um, also, Troy, Troy Baker is, is too busy with, with that schedule. Um, maybe if you listeners, uh, if someone could borrow um, his or her voice to replace uh, our dear Michael with uh, someone else. Um there might be an opportunity f- uh, for you. Just reach out to us. Actually, yeah, like we should ha- we should hold a contest. Like the best Richard voice impersonator gets his slot on the podcast until he may b- or may or may not be back in the future. Um, today we are going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, Busty. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And segueing from Spider Man, we're going to talk about. A very controversial and contentious topic in video games because we're the video game discussionados, and that is exclusivity deals. But before we do that, um, and you know, because we have to segue things because we're masterful at segueing topics, let us first talk about what I've played over the weekend. I'm not going to care about what you played this time. I'm going to talk about what I did. Go for it. I played the beta for Marvel's Avengers Ooh. from Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix. They had the first. Uh, this one is a pre-order beta for PS4 owners, um, because as we learned last week, I mean, we knew before that Avengers had a marketing deal with Sony. Um, what we know since last week is that uh, it's not just a marketing deal, but actually that uh, Sony is straight up uh, Avengers' new cash daddy. Um, the Segway game because... is very strong today. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing a lot, you know, in, in front of the mirror, wearing a Spider-Man mask. 
the cats have been very confused about that i can tell you this is not true by the way <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've played uh, the beta of this fine video game, which is out very soon because early access starts on September 1st. Um, the full release is on September 4th, so less than a month from now. And um, as you know, and as as avid listeners of the Projector Lunchcast, of course, know um, What's-His-Face, or oh, Richard, yeah, and myself, we played the game last year at Gamescom, so roughly a year ago from from now. It was controller. On a terrible controller. Thank you for remembering, Basti. That means a lot to me, you know? And um, so, yeah, it was the first opportunity to play it again. As we discussed last week, it's a, it was a fairly meaty beta, uh, like in terms of content. I think they said in general, it, it, sorry, in overall, there's almost 20 missions or so in there. There's four different characters you can use, um, which is uh, Kamala Khan, Black Widow, Hulk, and uh, Iron Man. And as as you know, as you may know, Basti, I know you know because I've talked about it a lot in the past, but also as some of our listeners may know, it is a video game that I've been quite excited about um, as a fan of Marvel Comics and of, you know, games as a service loot titles that you play with your friends to get uh, fat loots. And I'm still a bit torn about it, unfortunately, I have to say. Like, there's definitely parts that I really liked about a beta. There's things where I would have really hoped that it improved a lot more in the past year since I've played the game. And it did not. So, um, mixed feelings still. I, I've heard a lot of things in, in the internet about that beta. And the quality of that beta. What's your take on that one? Give, give, give me, give me some details. Um. So, like, for for me, really, like the enjoyment was more or less like character based. So, mm -hmm. um. Uh, Kamala Khan uh, was a, a super fun character. Like, she is a ton of fun to play. You know, she's got like this. Um, this mix of uh, Mr. Fantastic as stretching, and you're like uh, and beginning. Um, like combat with her is a ton of fun like you know like a lot of fast jabbing uh, combos everything cool finishers so she was a lot of fun to play she also uh, I would say out of all the character models she looks by far the best Okay. and maybe it's just this thing that because Kamala Khan so far hasn't been featured in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe ah yeah so there's not this you know, weird dissonance you have because everyone's familiar with the, with the actors of the movie franchise right Exactly. Like, you know, like you just look at her and you think like, yeah, you know, she looks very similar to, you know, how she looks like on, on, the, on, in the comics, like, you know, on the cover of the first, uh, uh, comic, you know, from what was it? 2015 or so. Um, so I don't, you know, yeah, like as you said, that, that, that problem does what I don't even know that character though. Um, she is a fairly new character. Um, that explains it. Yeah, as I said, I think like no, she, she, sorry, she's from from 2013. I'm checking right now. Uh, yeah, like 2013, like yeah, you know, that was in the middle of when Marvel started doing a a more diverse take on some of the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for example, when they had Kate Bishop as a female, um, uh, Hawkeye. Or Miles Morales, of course, uh, as you know, a Latino Spider-Man, and uh, there you had Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. She was very notable for being, uh, I would, as far as I know, definitely the first major uh, Muslima character. Oh, in, I know. A, yeah, no, no, major, no, no. Um, okay. Yeah, like you know, and like reading the comics, like I'm currently going through them. Like it's, uh, you know, it's it's super relatable. Like the fun thing about her is really a, that's why I think she makes a, a great focus character for the story of Avengers is essentially that Kamala Khan, like she is a Avengers, like, you know, within that universe, she's an Avengers super fan, a, a real nerd. 
I think like in the game from what you gather is that she is there on A Day when everything goes bad. And um, because she's won she won writing a Avengers fan fiction contest. <laughs> okay. And like she does, uh, she does occasionally throughout the game, you know, make reference to like, oh, you know, this is just like in one of my stories where this and this happened, and you know, and Bruce Banner's like, uh, okay. And then I ship um, you with uh, Captain America. Stuff like no, I, they didn't mention that, but she probably did as well. So yeah, like uh, Kamala Khan, I think like she's a really, really relatable, uh, great character, both in comics and like in the game, she's a ton of fun to play. Um, the second most fun character, and interestingly enough, you know, this is these are my opinions. But like almost everybody online that I've seen who ranked how much fun they had playing the characters, they had the same ranking. So, you know, it's, it seems to be more than just my opinion, maybe, but like it seems to be a universal take. Um, the second most fun character was Black Widow. Again, like she's a very quick, um, you know, super fast combos, tons, tons of fun to play. Um, then for me, it was Iron Man, who um, is, is very reminiscent actually of Anthem, you know, because uh, you can I do see. the hover thing in the air to shoot, sense. you can fly around. Um, and unfortunately, the character that by far I found the least fun that that really I think you know needs the most work still is Hulk. I hear that um, a lot. What is the reason for that one? Uh, you know, like it's it's a bit difficult because obviously with a character like Hulk, you know, you want to have that feeling of you know being big and powerful and hulking. Uh, but unfortunately, he. F- what I would have to assume, okay, like full disclosure, I've never I've never done this in real life. But he feels like what I would assume it it is you know trying to drive a garbage truck or something. Okay. Like it's very slow, very lumbering, and you know, like not not in the fun way. You know, for example, like like when you play Mech Warrior, so you know these are like fifty-ton things. Like they they are slow and lumbering, but like still somehow it feels powerful and agile. And with Hulk, like it really feels very slow. Um, one thing that even like my fiance noticed when she watched me play is you know when you try to do one of his heavy attacks a lot of the time as you wind up because it's so slow like somebody will knock you right out of it or so uh, which didn't really uh, you know make for a very fun experience um what is fun of with hulk is you know just rampaging through a level like you've got some you know, like aim uh, laboratories or so and you you know you just walk around destroying everything that does feel like hulk but yeah, in general, like it feels a bit slow and you know like, too slow and you know not the not the ki- powerful kind of uh, you know slow. I mean, it sounds and... like a balancing trade-off to be honest. I mean, in the movies, he's super fast and quick, but also he's super overpowered. But you, I mean, you you need to try to keep some sort of balance between the characters, right? Could be. I don't know. I you know I always think um that there needs to be a different way. It's like this this thing this idea of like is some something you know difficult to to manage or difficult to play um he feels at times difficult to play so like it's, it's like not a good thing to me it it, mm-hmm. it it feels like something is off you know it's like this doesn't feel right um whereas as i said like for example uh both kamala khan and black widow i had a ton of fun like i've also seen online people who did some um pretty cool um, you know combo videos and so because it seems like the combat system in that game is is a lot more in-depth than a lot of people initially thought so you got like three different skill trees you can unlock you know a lot of new um melee moves and so so it does feel like there definitely is depth there and also with stats mm-hmm. but um yeah like hulk is 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 the biggest disappointment another thing that i was actually very surprised about because i played you know um, crystal dynamics tomb raiders game and i thought they were great the shooting feels imprecise and not very fun so for example with um I mean, all characters have have some form of you know ranged combat. You know, mm-hmm. for example, of course, with Iron Man, you know, you shoot a blast from your hands. Uh, with Kamala Khan, you just really extend your arm very far to smash something. 
and uh, with Black Widow at any time you can just draw your dual pistols. But it always felt very floaty. I like to think that I'm, you know, I, I'm a pretty good shot uh, in, you know, in video games. I'm having played a ton of shooters, and it would frequently, it it would feel to me like I'm not really moving the stick, and like half of my shots are hitting it half or not. Like so, something, especially with Black Widow, when you try to do it like in the middle of a combo, like something there felt off as well. That was my second big concern, and the final one really was um, was performance. Like I've played on a PS4 Pro, mm. I've played the performance modes and like it was wildly fluctuating it like it, it was all over the place like the game is graphically it's pretty you know it's it's not outstandingly amazingly gorgeous but it's pretty but like you know once you had four people like four heroes smashing stuff up um, you know bolts flying around everywhere lots of enemies it it would tank a lot and like i've seen people who did like a more thorough analysis of the performance say that sometimes it would go down to like almost single digits or so or you know below mm. 20 fps or so um so yeah it, it it definitely feels like you know there's room for improvement here and maybe it's going to be a case of like uh, this is going to be best played on a ps5 in the future uh, so as europe's number one avengers fanboy how much of a damper was was the beta for you are you still convinced that they will be able to iron out the issues or are you will you stop pestering us with all your avengers hype in the future um it's a mix really like i i i i'm not convinced anymore that it's going to be the best review in game of the year potentially i see um no i, I think as i said like there there's definitely good things there i've actually seen surprisingly enough like i've seen more positive su positively surprised people about a beta than negatively mm -hmm. because uh, probably also because a lot of the stuff that they showed so far like in like last year the e3 showing or so was not great so like it felt to me that a lot of people who had like almost written off the game after playing the beta were like hey actually this is fun you know, as i said like um stuff like like the melee system so there's a lot of depth there if you're willing to go into like and there, there's definitely a lot of potential there um for me uh, yeah you know uh, yeah I'll, I'll still get the game but um, it, it was a bit of a damper that some of the things that I thought, you know, um, like, for example, like how Hulk plays or so, I would have expected more improvement after playing it a year ago. And, you know, it still didn't noticeably feel better. Um, again, with the shooting, which is very baffling to me, because on the one hand, you, you know, you would think that, like, uh, it's been 19 years since Halo. You would think that anybody by now could, you know, nail Oh, so this satisfying kind of shooting on, on a just go for arcade shooting like very precise very easy forgivable shooting it would be probably fine with that kind of game right i don't get it yeah and again you know like, i mean like they've they've just made they've just made two games with a beautiful lady with with dual guns no actually she didn't have dual guns in those games fun fact no but like you know shooting stuff and it felt good right. um i don't know what happened between lara and natasha that that some suddenly doesn't feel as good anymore uh, but of course, um, you know, maybe that's a, a natural segue to the other topic. Um, what felt like the big bummer uh, last week with regards to Avengers was the announcement from Sony and Crystal Dynamics when they said um, that Spider-Man, you know, who I'm torn if he is the most popular or the second most popular Marvel character these days between Spidey and Iron Man. I don't know. Um, I would that's say he's definitely one of, one of the top two, right? Yeah, I think to be honest, I think he's still number one. I don't know. I think my I think people in China love Iron Man. 
and Tony Stark and Robert Downey mm. Jr. But then again, who doesn't love Robert Downey Jr. as you know? It's still perfect casting. Like the guy everyone top, forget top five about castings ever. The guy everyone has forgot about until uh, Iron Man eins. Uh, <laughs> Iron Man eins. Hit the I cinema. I you're already getting excited for for Iron Harvest. Absolutely, I pre-ordered the collector's edition though. With the Eisenhans? Yeah. I I saw that. I was like, you know, I I I really I'm trying to cut back on on collector's editions. Like, I'm for example, I'm not getting the collector's editions for Avengers because I have too much stuff staying around. But uh, seeing that, like the collector's edition for Iron Harvest, I was like, man, I love the name Eisenhans because yes. that's just great. Also, the figure looks really cool. Yeah, same so, for me. Uh, like, yeah. I've no, no space for that one, but I, I had to buy it. Just but I can definitely cool. see how Iron Man 1 fits in there, yes. Um, but yeah, going back, you know, um, it, w it was a big drama because, you know, we've seen, and we're going to talk about that in a moment a lot, uh, you know, actually for the rest of this episode, you know, we've seen a lot of exclusivity deals in the, in the past, like for full games or like just content or timed exclusivity. But this one, to me personally, it feels like one of the biggest ones. In yeah. terms of, as we just said, you know, Avengers, these days, like it or not, um, the MCU is is the, the biggest, um, you know, movie like entertainment franchise of our generation right now. I would say, sorry, it's not our generation, but you know, like of our age, of the past mm -hmm. ten years, you know, nothing mm -hmm. comes close to the MCU. And to have like you know, their one of their biggest characters or the biggest character uh, exclusively locked to one console and it doesn't seem to be timed; it seems to be permanent exclusive. Um, that is a, a big fat middle finger to, you know, two thirds of their audience, you know, just, just going by, you know, potential platforms because the game's coming to Xbox, coming to PC. Um, neither of those are going to get Spidey at all. And uh, players on Sony platforms, so PS4, PS5, are going to get Spidey in early 2021. And uh, yeah, as you can imagine, there was a lot of discourse around that uh, in, in various online gaming. Holy shit, yeah. Um, discourse places. And uh, yeah, so yeah, they, they piled it on like so on, on day one. I think I think it was last last week Monday. So they said, hey, by the way, um, Spidey's gonna be exclusive on you know to to um, Sony, and people were already very very pissed about that. And then the next day they were like, actually, by the way, we have we have more Sony exclusive content, um, because it seems that players on PlayStation are gonna get um some exclusive community challenges, you know, which are like one of these things that for a month. People can contribute, and if they do, and if they, the community succeeds at a challenge, and everybody gets a cosmetic reward or something, um, PlayStation will have a 30-day exclusive access to a legendary outfit, legendary emote, epic takedown, and nameplate for each superhero as they are released. Also for the six launch heroes. In addition, we also have rewards for those with a PlayStation Plus subscription for each superhero added to the game post-launch, Hawkeye included. All PS Plus members will receive a free bundle that contains a rare outfit, nameplate, and 100 credits to celebrate the addition of another Avenger to the roster. Um, so yeah, they, they piled on a ton more stuff. So Spidey is, is a permanent exclusive. There is a 30-day exclusivity on uh, certain outfits and customization items for each new hero as they come out. And beyond that, uh, PlayStation also gets you know some other exclusive cosmetic stuff and so. Um, so that was all of that. That was sure. all of the Sony stuff. And then uh, over the weekend, you know, like the last couple of days, uh, as people you know played the beta, there was yet more. Um, because it also to to quote, I can't remember where I got this from. Game Rant? I don't know. It appears that Spider-Man's exclusive edition to Marvel Adventures on PlayStation won't be the only exclusive deal on the cards for the upcoming game. Virgin Media, Intel, and Verizon will seemingly also be getting brand new skins available for customers of their service. Um, so yeah, depending on 
on which mobile phone provider you use in the US, you can also get exclusive skins for, for the Avengers. Um, mm. oh. Which I th think may oh. almost be a first. I know that in the past, um, Hearthstone had an exclusive card back that you would get when you loaded the game on a Samsung device. And I think there was also something Samsung for um, for Fortnite. But like, uh, to my knowledge, it is the first time ever that a game uh, gets something exclusive based on what internet, uh, you know, what what mobile provider, which has absolutely nothing to do with the game, of course. You know, like you cannot play the game on a mobile uh, device. Um, there is no connectivity. There's no app or nothing. It's it's purely a cross marketing deal. Um, and that feels like a first to me. That is the biggest, biggest exclusivity uh, corporate sellout. Absolutely shamelessly, I've ever seen. To be honest, I mean, we had a lot of that stuff in the past sometimes i mean to be fair bigger, this is from the publisher smaller. behind the behind the cup noodle quests yeah all have seen the signs they want honestly us. it feels like that i think you know when when you have like the combination of square who are kind of shameless with the stuff i think like final fantasy 15 i can't remember if it was 13 or 12 i think it had 12 or 13 different pre-order bonuses that were exclusive to different retailers and they had like a trailer for each of them and they had the cup noodles and you had like a Butterfingers promotion of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So that is one side. And then, of course, you know, you have Disney and Marvel who are super happy, um, you know, to put stuff on everything. I mean, last time I was in China, I bought a, a mask with like a little chibi Thor on it. Smart me, because, of course, you know, back then I didn't I didn't think that there would ever be a time where I would have to wear a mask walking around in Germany <laughs> going to shops and stuff. So in a way, I was ahead, you know, thanks, Thor. But, you know, like, yeah, so you, you have... Way, way ahead of the curve. Um, so essentially, you have like you know two corporate entities who are super into any kind of cross promotion, cross you know platform and stuff that it can do, and this is the natural uh, evolution of that, I guess. To be honest, like with, with some of the some of the issues of the beta and um, some some Square Enix things in the past when it comes to sales expectations, etc. I wonder. I wonder about the confidence that they have in their own game. So is it in general that their complete company um, strategy is to sell out their products as much as possible? Or is it maybe a case where some people in suits were sitting together and um, and some un some other unfortunate people from the studio have to listen on that ideas and contribute um, to see how much you can cut that thing apart to benefit as much as possible from deals to get uh, hopefully a lot of money so that they can recoup investments and be as safe as possible um, to lower the risk of a potential sales fallout of that game like is it that like is it does it sh does it show lack of confidence or even or even scare that uh, an alien isolation or Tomb Raider hasn't. Uh, what was uh, the number of the the first Tomb Raider when they said is actually not not as great as they hoped for? Doesn't matter. Uh, six million or something. Yeah. it was a lot. So is it like okay, let's let's try to to get that risk as low as possible and get mon much money as possible? Um, or is it just a general sellout and they say, ah, oh, we don't care. We just uh, we are shameless in that regards. I don't know. I mean, you know, like, I think the only, like, really, like, noticeable financial thing here is probably going to be the Sony one, you know, like, Spidey. I mean, I don't think, you know, that Verizon is going to pay a lot for having... And to be honest, you know, I'm a fanboy, right? Um, most of these skins, like the virtual Verizon skins, they're pretty ugly. Like, the only one that's actually cool is the Intel one. 
Okay. Um, I have no clue how you can get that. I'm going to keep an eye on that because obviously I'm an internal customer, um, but uh, but not on PC, of course. I'm not going to play the game on PC because no Spider-Man, right? Um, that, was, that was actually something that pissed me off. Um, I am... Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't like it, I don't defend it, but I am okay as a player with certain platforms, you know, having maybe exclusive cosmetic stuff, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I can live with I, that. I appreciate, fan, you know, the, the business reasons for doing that for exclusive stuff, and that's okay. Um, and but, but essentially being, you know, you having the pick between, okay, I can play on on one of my more powerful machines, um, you know, both my PC and my Xbox are, of course, more powerful than a PS4, and, or, you know, in the future, it's probably going to be the same. Um, or, you know, having the option to play with one of my f- favorite characters, it's, mm, that's not a great choice to force a customer into, right? So that is, that was, that was quite disappointing. And, um, and there's still people defending that. I mean, I agree. Like, uh, the, the, the whole, like, small, uh, uh, exclusivity, uh, things or just a few sprinkles, but, uh, chocolate sprinkles of that cake, but Spider-Man's the icing. Like, I mean, this is, this is huge. This is so huge that you have seen a lot of people on the internet, even Sony fans, complaining about that. Even people who said, I mean, we will time will tell if they will stick to that opinion. But um, even people who currently own a PS4 saying like, I'm not, they're not buying into the PS5. As I said, it might be might be internet outrage. The question is, will people actually follow follow that claim um, that they won't um, buy Sony Sony consoles anymore? But you see. And that is maybe good that some for some some in some form that united gamer gamers out there rather than uh, split them up and separated them that people all of a sudden Xbox fans and Sony fans come together and think like this is actually shit and we don't want it. This is good to see I think to to, to have some outrage. I mean there's still a few people defending that for whatever reason. Uh, maybe just to to sear up the controversy being a troll. But um, I'm not a big fan of that Spider-Man thing. Yeah, to be honest, I, like, I don't think it's, realistically speaking, I don't think it's going to change much because, as nah. we know, people are quick to protest. I mean, you know, for, for me personally, you know, I, 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 I dislike it. I've said so fairly, obviously, you know, on, on Twitter that I think this sucks. I don't like exclusive content, you know, in a case where people on other platforms, they pay the same price for the game, but they get less content, you know. And it, it's, not, it's not a case of, you know, like that essentially you know, companies pay money so people on other platforms have a worse experience uh, you know that that just sucks you know and you know it's it's definitely not as for the players as sony's slogan would imply they are um maybe but... we have a better front two moment that people finally have enough and uh, getting so angry about that stuff that uh, the industry will um, think twice before for doing that again i don't know hopefully to be fair like a couple of days after that controversy um I think Avengers on PS4 was the number one video game on Amazon in the oh, US. Guys, you so maybe not. You failed me. The P-Club community failed, failed me you. again. Yeah, but um, and and you know, like the, the thing is really uh, what I really like from Sony is um, after all this controversy, a couple of days later, they put out a trailer all about it, and they dubbed it like the, the PlayStation Advantage. So you know, very very in your face um, branding. And what we've also seen already from um, several, you know, people who know things in the industry, like uh, different, you know, insiders or journalists or so, where they say that um, this is probably something that people should get used to, at least, you know, for the next couple of years, because it seems that yeah. Sony is, is very aggressive and, you know, very happy to put up, you know, the big checks to, to get exclusive content or time exclusivity. Um, 
there's been a lot of whispers about this, including, for example, um, Final Fantasy 16. That's you know once again going to be um, uh, exclusive to to Sony or time exclusive at least. You know, like Final Fantasy 7 remake was. Um, we've seen, of course, you know, games from from companies that rarely do exclusive, like Bethesda. You know, with Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, both being PS5 exclusives timed. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's probably something that we're going to see a lot more of. And, uh, you know, that that is the future aspect. But, of course, we are historians, Buster. We're not just video game discussionados. We're also historians. Oh, yeah. And that's why today we said, you know, let's look at some of, some of you know, the most controversial um, cases of exclusivity back in the day. And... Um, I think when you know, when we talk about exclusivity, like we maybe need to be a little a bit more concrete because it feels to me that you know for for very many years and you know, several generations, like games being exclusive to one console was almost the default thing, right? Like it was it was much it was much rare, and there were very few games that would you know be multi-platform on several uh, consoles. Um, it really feels like up to the Xbox and PS2 generation, like a ton of games were exclusive to one of them. Really, with the with the 360, with the advent of um, you know HD graphics, production costs rising, it felt like that was really the time when more and more games tried uh, to be multi-platform at the same time. I mean, I mean, you had stuff um, even even back in the 16-bit era, etc. You had multi-platform titles, but I would even say it were just a small amount, and the amount of exclusive. Um, titles were way 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 higher in big big ips and, and trying to sell a console based on big ips like mario Star Fox, etc i mean there were yes, cases and I, and, you know, I mean that is that is of course fine right you know if if a if a first party company makes a game then that you know, expecting that to be exclusive yeah. is that's that's fine with me that makes sense so yeah i think really for this one what we are looking at is cases where either a multi-platform game, as with Spider-Man and Avengers, like has has content being withheld from some players, you know, because of exclusivity deals, or where sequels to games that used to be multi-platform were suddenly exclusive again because somebody paid money for it. Because you know, I think these are really the most controversial ones. If if somebody, if if Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo, whoever uh, pays a developer to make an exclusive new IP for them. There's going to be people who are going to be like, why is this game not coming to my platform? Yeah. But, you know, anybody with a couple of brain cells will realize, you know, they're paying for it to be exclusive on a platform. That's fine. Um, whereas, of course, you know, if a game was in the past, a multi-platform game, then suddenly paying for it to be exclusive, you know, to, to people who maybe played the sequel on other platforms to essentially force them into getting your platform. That's controversial. And as I mentioned, really, the part that I that I ac actively dislike as a gamer is when you know people are expected to pay the same price for a game, but like one platform gets exclusive content yeah. and the others are not getting that because of exclusivity deals. And um, to that case, you know, to to that um, to speak to that, I've uh, collected a few cases here, Russ. If you would be interested in hearing about mm, them, absolutely. Uh, so one quite controversial one that I still remember the announcement of, uh, Bayonetta two. Oh yeah, but this is this is a case you previously mentioned. I mean. It still baffles me how much people went up in uh, up in arms against that announcement that Bayonetta 2 is uh, Wii U exclusive, and annoyed me because we the Wii U is one of is, is a rare case where I did not own the console. Like I have never owned a Wii U, even though I have a shit ton of consoles, and I was a big That's Bayonetta okay. fan. That's okay. Neither has the rest of the world. Exactly, but I mean, this was a clear case where um, nobody wanted to make that game. And Nintendo 
was looking for a new killer app and, and, and more diversity in their VU portfolio and needed an action game. Uh, so they come to terms and said, we are willing to pay for the whole development of that game to bring that game to the VU. So this is almost like being a, a first party studio uh, deal. And uh, which makes totally sense. And there's sometimes sometimes a situation that you, we would probably never see a game um, recurring again, if not that for the case that someone is willing to pay to make that game. And Bayonetta was a clear case, which is crazy because Bayonetta 1 was a cult classic. But apparently, other than Nintendo, nobody was willing to spend any money on that one. Yeah, um, as, as you mentioned, like this is one of those cases where, yes, it was a sequel. But while the sequel was so so you know uh, critically uh, a critical darling a fan cult favorite, um, it didn't sell all too well. So as a result of that, uh, Sega was not willing to you know foot the bill. And what happened then was um, that that Nintendo stepped in and said, you know, we we like platinum. Obviously, uh, you know, it was also the kind of thing that. Um, that you know as we know sony is uh, sorry i'm saying sony yeah. nintendo for a long time obviously you know they excel with their games that they make as a first party um they are usually not the kind of games you know that are maybe aimed at like a more hardcore or uh, yeah. adult audience so here of course was a great opportunity for them you know to get the kind of like core gamer franchise that you know maybe they don't have too many of their of the on, on, on their platforms um to search for the uh, yeah, search god damn it sorry let me let me search my thoughts. What I wanted to say. Um, yeah, it was a great opportunity. I think it was a win-win. And like, for example, you know, this is one of those cases where even if I was a Bayonetta fan, and as you can imagine, I'm not. Um, if I had been one, I would be fine with that happening. You know, because in the end, um, it, it feels weird to me that people say I would rather a game does not exist than it existing on you know my, um, you know. On, on my platforms and it was really weird because you saw a lot of these people who were like yo if i it's essentially that mindset of like if i can't have it nobody should have it which is yeah it, it's really weird to me at that point i'm not sure if you're really a fan of the game or you know the no, developer i agree um also did you know fun fact that um uh, there was also some exclusivity with bayonetta one did you know that mm, was there no i missed that yes uh, yes stable game performance on bayonetta was exclusive to xbox 360. <laughs> but yet funny enough yet i think um Vanquish was another game, also of Platinum, yeah. which run better on the 360 than on the P3. There were a few cases I, I where P3 games were struggling for some reason. Was it a case of think um, where uh, I think like the 360 versions were done by Platinum themselves, and like the, the PS3 ports were the were outsourced to somebody else's? So because but yes, I, I mean that that's that's, that's, power, that's yeah, it, power wise, they were roughly the same, right? Uh, it really depends. You're like some people said, like the PS3 was more powerful if you were willing to put a time in, uh, whereas 360 was easier to develop for or get okay. you know good results for. Um, which, uh, f funnily enough, you know, maybe similar to what we're gonna see again um, mm -hmm. with with this console generation. Uh, but yeah, you know, that was a good example of um, yes, it was paid, it was exclusive, but also it was never gonna happen otherwise. And no. uh, seemingly, Bayonetta 2 was successful enough. I mean, by now it's also been ported to the Switch. That Nintendo is currently working on Bayonetta 3 for the Switch. Um, they've announced it ages ago and haven't shown anything ever since. So, you know, it's out there somewhere. But we will also have. Uh, can Shin you, can you imitate the, the, the X Files sound, the music? Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's out there. 
Look, we're getting a Shin Megami Tensei 5 next year. That means that everything is possible. And I strongly believe that Bayonetta will return because I think also it was quite successful on the Switch, right? Um, it on the Switch. Seemingly. Seemingly. I don't it's know. It's good. It's such a good game. Marcel Again, clearly it, it must have done well enough for. I, I actually, I once played uh, Bayonetta like, uh, at a friend's place. Uh, Gameplay wise, it's fun. I really. It's weird. Like, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a video game character that I find less visually appealing than Bayonetta. What? How? I don't know. Like in general, like the thought of somebody being dressed in her own hair is kind of off-putting for me. Mm. Um. I love it. I think I the, the, the I'm, funny... maybe I'm not a target. Maybe I maybe I prefer you know Dante. Yeah, because you're a Devil May Cry fan, right? So gameplay-wise, especially the newer Devil May Cry titles, that, that should pretty much fit your bill. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm more of an edgelord. Could, it's possible. Yeah, I get you. Moving on, you know, with with um, and you and you will notice here, you know, that um, funny enough, it seems to have been like a little bit of a reversal that in the 360 era, and that's something that you also uh, you know mentioned to me when we talked about this episode beforehand. Um, that in the 360 area, when they were on top, Microsoft was very happy to, you know, splash out the money. Um, not so much these days, and, you know, not so much seemingly next generation. So it seems like we're going to get a little bit of an inversion of that. Where in the future, um, there's going to be more of a PlayStation advantage. Whereas in the past, for many, you know, big Western third-party things, uh, it felt like 360 was the place to go. Um, one such example is, of course, Call of Duty. Um, despite, despite you refusing to play it, still semi-popular in this world. Mm-hmm. And it's been infamous for that for five years from 2010, I think that was Black Ops 1 um, to 2015. Um, map packs, so like the DLCs, you know, not the main games, like there was all the same, but the map packs, um, the DLC were always exclusive for one month to 360. And after a month, they would come to PlayStation and PC. And then in 2015, with uh, actually with um, Black Ops 3. On the PS4, there was suddenly a reversal of the thing. Where now Sony was, uh, you know, it's like, like it's like that stupid meme. You could have posted of Bobby Kotick going, "Your like friendship with 360 over is over now. PS4 is best friend." Um, ever which since, means, um, sorry. Which means Activision is a perfect indicator where the journey is going. Just look at Activision. Activision is is definitely a perfect indicator of where the money is. That much yeah. is for sure. And in this case, the money was with Sony, because since 2015, um, it was the reverse deal that the PlayStation would always get one month exclusivity on new DLC packs. Um, it got worse last year, because Modern Warfare 2019, you know, there are no more DLC packs. All the maps are free, so they had to find something else. So the Spec Up Survival mode, so an entire cooperative mode, is exclusive to PlayStation for one year. Um, that is which, almost of course, as shitty as Spider-Man, except for that's only for one year. That's the only thing which makes it a little bit less shitty but than see, Spider-Man. But that's the thing, you know, like th- that's the thing. with Call of Duty, one year is more or less you know, for the hardcore fan base. It's like the entirety, entire lifespan of that game, right? That's true. Because yeah. after one year, you know, the next Call of Duty is going to be out, and you know, who is who among like the hardcore audience is going to keep playing Modern Warfare? You know, when when the next one's out. So that is that felt, you know, like a. a Pretty pretty crazy escalation from getting DLC 30 days early to having an entire co-op mode for as long as you know until the, the sequel of the game is out already. And um, that is something that Activision, again as you just mentioned, you know, Bobby's very good at finding the money. He has a nose for those kind of things. Oh, Bobby! 
But maybe you know, may, maybe you do not get a a cameo appearance in Moneyball if you don't have a nose for money, right? True. Maybe that's maybe that's an indicator who the best the best gaming CEO to get money is. You know, have you been in a movie with Brad Pitt? No. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is he's not only one of the, if not the most paid gaming CEO of the world, uh, and especially of America, he is also among the most paid CEOs of all companies and branches and businesses in America, which tells you something. Oh yes, uh, he was like he makes like forty million or something. Filthy. Definitely, uh, both definitely rich, but also definitely filthy, especially when you lay off people in between. Um, so, but yeah, as we mentioned, you know, Activision loves that kind of stuff, and that is why when they were still uh, publishing Destiny from Bungie, they had pretty much the same deal. Um, Destiny one and two, and each of the expansions for those. So let me see if I remember all of them. Actually, it's been so long. So that was Destiny one, um, The Taken King, Rise of Iron, Destiny two. Forsaken, was it just that? Yeah, makes sense. Um, each one of these had some PS4 exclusive content. Uh, it, it varied between the games. Initially, it was always, I think, that each game or expansion had one um, exotic weapon, one multiplayer PvP map, and one strike, so like a small co-op dungeon, exclusive to PS4 for one year. And then when the next expansion came out, uh, Xbox and later on PC uh, owners, you know, would get the the content from last year, and the PS4 would get like a little bit of new content for for the next year. Confusing um, bullshit. Yeah, you know, again here it was uh, it, it was this weird case of you know like if it had just been you know, like uh, cosmetics and as we know you know like uh, fashion destiny is a big thing right like you know yeah. that that would have been okay ish. But here withholding stuff, uh, you know, and it was also the same like right I forgot like with some of the DLCs. Um, like some of the DLCs for Destiny 1, they also always got something exclusive, and there it was sometimes, you know, if, if PS4 got one more strike or something, suddenly PS4 got like, you know, 20-30% more content for the same DLC price than the other than, than Xbox did. So that was kind of scummy as well. Hmm. Uh, thankfully, and you know, probably a total coincidence, but ever since Bungie uh, broke up with Activision last year, uh, they stopped doing platform-exclusive content. It's weird. Interesting. I'm, I'm not really saying it was Bobby them. all along, I'm but really I think happy. it was Bobby all along. Um, so this was, you know, uh, a case. So now we had, so far we had a case with Burnout of Nintendo being the bad guy, according to gamers. Uh, with Call of Duty, uh, we had both Microsoft and Sony being the bad guy, and of course Bobby. Uh, with Destiny, it was Sony the bad guy. So you know, in the interest of fairness, it's time for Nintendo, uh, sorry, for Microsoft and Phil Spencer to be the bad people. And that happened scores? with Rise of the Tomb Raider. No, I'm not actually. I'm just trying to appear fair and even-handed, like a, you know, I'm I'm the King Solomon among gaming discussionados. I mean, Tomb Raider was a case. Was it the the only case I can remember? There were probably a few cases more, but there was a big thing and probably the only big exclusive deal which uh, appeared on Xbox One, right? And everyone was like, kind of like. Oh, it's exclusive four for one year. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I cannot think of a lot of other cases to be no. honest on the Xbox One. I mean, like obviously, yeah, they had exclusive games, you know, from from third-party developers like they had Rise from Crytek, they had Sunset Overdrive, Insomniac. But like, you know, really something like this, uh, I cannot think of anything else besides Rise of Tomb Raider. 
so yeah, what happened here is that the rise of the Tomb Raider was initially announced at um, uh, E3 2015 at the Microsoft uh, E3 showcase, uh, not mentioning anything yet about that. And then a couple months later, actually at Gamescom 2015, um, Phil Spencer announced that Rise of the Tomb Raider was, and this is again, you know, interesting wording, it was a holiday 2015 exclusive on Xbox. Um, you know, you know, which initially got a lot of people like, does that what? mean like it's coming out on you know January second or something? Um, what it eventually turned out to be, uh, more or less one year. So uh, it's Rise of the Tomb Raider again from Crystal Dynamics. So, you know, at this point, like they've been the bad guys twice: once with Spider-Man for Sony and once with Lara for Xbox. Um, the game came out in November 2015 on Xbox One and notably Xbox 360. And one year later, almost in October 2016, you know, it came bundled, I think, that with all the DLC and everything to uh, PS4. I mean, good for the game that, that the uh, Tomb Raider, the big Tomb Raider remake, the first one had uh, a big, and especially uh, uh, not only a big falling over the long time, it had a very long tail. So I think that was good for the series at the end that probably a lot of people bought it then on, on their PlayStation console. I hope so. Um, out of the three new Tomb Raider games, Rise was my favorite. Um, Same. Because I, I really love the setting. You know, it's not very often that that in a game you you go to you know the former Soviet Union, and especially you don't often go to a gulag. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. You know, because it, it felt like something very different setting wise. I mean, you you yeah, spent some time in the gulag game. with uh, this this um, John guy, right? In Call of Duty, John William. What was his name? Uh, Sergeant uh, Price, Captain Price, Johnny Miller or something. Oh well, yeah, I, I spent some time with, with 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 that guy, with Richard in in the war zone in Gulag. But no, I thought you mentioned actually in which one is it? Modern Warfare Three. I think you you're the Call of Duty you expert. Free, you free some people from a Gulag. Okay. Um. Also, Sergeant Reznov. Uh. From from. No, that that must then be Black Ops, right? No, in Black Ops, you break out of like a Russian prison camp or something with Sergeant Reznov, um, who is voiced by Gary Oldman. Hmm. Maybe we should one time, Basti, we should do an episode about the rich lore and world of Call of Duty. Or maybe we just make a stupid episode about um, Hollywood actor tie-ins in video games. The numbers, Mason. What do they mean? Hmm. Hmm. Um, so yeah I mean, they this had was Kevin one Spacey of when Kevin Spacey was still cool yeah that was before hmm. Kevin Spacey became one of the bad guys I mean he was one of the bad guys before we just didn't know it yet um, actually I'm curious like this year they haven't I mean the game has been announced so I don't think there's been any rumors yet about the, who this year's seemingly mandatory celebrity is that they have in there the Rock. Who, whom did they have last year? I don't know. I want The Rock. You want The Rock in anything. I I, I could see yeah. you saying that like you think The Rock should play Bayonetta in a Bayonetta movie. Yeah. In those shoes. In those, those gun heels. And CGI animated hair. Ooh, that would be weird. <laughs> God, that would be really, really weird. I mean, we right might there. have an idea for a cover for this episode, but let's see. To be honest, like having having you know The Rock in a in a Bayonetta movie, it would not be the worst thing The Rock has been in this week 
thanks to the release of the Fast and Furious Crossroads, which I, I've seen one review call it the worst game of the year so far. I had no idea about this game whatsoever until you told me about it, which tells you a lot. Yeah, um... Hmm. Uh, my favorite thing about that game is you know that uh, it's it's from Slightly Mad Studios and their CEO Ian Bell, who is a very outspoken gentleman, um, so outspoken that sometimes I think to myself maybe get a PR manager to make sure you're less outspoken. Brilliant. Uh, but I remember him a couple of years ago, three years or so ago, in a in a YouTube uh, video saying that they're working on a Fast and Furious game and it's going to be better than anything Need for Speed does and it's going to compete with Forza Horizon. And then I saw that I think it's right right now hovering at a Metacritic score of like 32 or something, and maybe maybe not not yet. It's getting there, but not yet better than Forza Horizon or Need for Speed. I mean, if it is absolutely shitty, we will at least get a lot of YouTube videos talking about how shitty that game is from content creators. And My favorite thing about Fast and Furious game is uh, in the, in the review from Eurogamer. Uh, the guy remarked that like his favorite mission was one where you have to destroy a van by ramming it, but also you have to do it sort of without the ram the, the van noticing you. <laughs> so it's like I, a stealth ram this car mission like the South Glory. I glorious. need to check this game it's out perfect, after man. after the recording. I need to. There there's some there's some great videos online already. Yeah. Um, you know, but actually, that's a perfect natural segue, Busty. Damn, you're getting good at this. Yeah. Almost more ten levels of segueing. Yes, um, you you are you are the Miles Morales to my Peter Parker segue skills, um, wow. because you know, we just talked about games where you drive around and destroy things. Um, that also happens to be one of the themes of the GTA series from Rockstar, and uh, this is I think monetarily probably at least that I'm aware of like the biggest exclusive deal uh, ever for something like this, because again you know in the in the 360 days when Microsoft was atop the world and uh, making all the money that you know um, a console maker could make at the time super successful they thought it was a, it would be a great idea to um, spend 50 million dollars that's a five and a zero 50 million dollars on timed exclusivity for the DLC episodes for GTA 4 they, so they threw they 50 million on the table for that one look uh one thing is for sure, uh, like Nico Bellic, uh, Cousin Roman, and Big American Titties are not free. They, that you know, they, makes they even cheap. Bobby Kotick sweat. Yeah, I mean, like, Bobby Kotick was like, holy shit, I, I have to work, like, what, like, 14 months to make that much money. I mean, but that shows you, as you said, that shows you how much on top of the game uh, Microsoft was in the 360 era. That's crazy. Yeah, That's again, crazy. I think this is by far the the most outrageous one I've heard. And again, you know, it's not it's not game exclusivity. It's not timed exclusivity for the game itself. It was uh, it was DLC. So GTA 4 came out. Um, you know, at the time, of course, in that generation, DLC was only like finding its footing. Like it was still a kind of semi new thing. And uh, then uh, Rockstar announced uh, a like two DLCs called uh, Episodes from Liberty City. Uh, the first one was The Lost and the Damned, about a, a biker gang. And that was exclusive to Xbox 360 for 11 months, roughly. And the second one was the fabulously named The Ballad of Gay Tony, which was more or less exclusive to Xbox 360 for six months. So, yeah, what you year know, was that? One DLC, exclu uh, that was 2008 to 2009. You could make a whole 
freaking AAA game with that money. Yeah. Uh, actually, by then, probably two. Somewhere yeah, at LinkedIn, I mean, there must be a biz dev wearing proudly that badge of I made the $50 million dollar deal I like, like a badge of honor. It wasn't, but I like to think it was the Benz. Just, just sitting in a pool, drinking margarita, talking about something, yeah, I got 50 million, whatever. And the phone's like, oh, okay, you want to do this? Yeah, whatever. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe... The Benz got his 50 million. I mean... He, he, was, he was bluffing and Peter Moore was just like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, whatever. So the yeah, Benz. like that is, oh. uh, that is, I think, definitely the most outrageous uh, one that oh, I'm aware sure. of. I mean, also, to be fair, you know, in a lot of these cases, we, we never hear about how much money changes hands. You know, it's, yeah. it's usually, as we know, the games industry is very secretive especially when it comes to money. And this is one of the very rare cases where Rockstar said, oh yeah, by the way, we got a cool 50 mil for that. Um, kudos to them. You know, that's, it's an art to make money and I respect their hustle. They're very good at that art though. Uh, you know, like this is, uh, I mean, it's kind of fitting for, for GTA 4 and Cousin Roman because I think, you know, this is the American dream. Like find somebody that you can sell something, you know, find somebody that will give you 50 million dollars for saying okay I'm gonna sell this later to your competitor but they're still gonna get it yeah. that's the American dream well done cousin Nico uh, cousin Roman and Nico Bellic. Um, cool character so I like that game yep absolutely uh, so yeah you know this was um, again uh, Microsoft and yeah as, as we already mentioned and noticed uh, Microsoft has been you know kind of willing to splash out money especially early on during the 360 era when they were also still heavily investing in their own games, unfortunately towards the second half of that generation, as they focused on more casual stuff and connect and shut down a lot of their own studios. Um, also their willingness to splash out for exclusive, you know, got lower and lower. Um, another notable one, and this one here again is like a, a bit of a mixed history, because as we mentioned during the Xbox, uh, PS2, GameCube era, um, it was still way more common for games to be exclusive. Now, especially, or like what you would often get is like one game being on on Xbox and GameCube or so, but not on being, being on the PS2, you know, because there was a bit of a power difference, of course, there between those consoles. Um, one series that had a little bit of a mixed history was Splinter Cell. So the first Splinter Cell came out uh, initially exclusively on Xbox. Uh, it was a huge hit, you know, by by Xbox mm-hmm. standards. Got great reviews. I think it, like won several like Xbox Game of the Year awards and stuff. Um, so later games then became multi-platform. Um, up until the fourth game, Splinter Cell Double Agent, uh, which, again, I, I'm not even sure. I don't think here there was anything, you know, exclusive in terms of a deal. I think it was just like timing or something. So Splinter Cell Double Agent came to the 360, um, the Xbox, and the PS3 and GameCube or something like that in November 2006. So it was cross-generation. And then uh, four months later, in, in March 20, 2007, it came to PS3 as well. So it was, you know, it took a little bit, but it was a full fledged multi platform game. And then afterwards, the next game in the series, I think it's the fifth one, Splinter Cell Conviction, uh, by the way, personally, my favorite, um, was exclusive to the Xbox all of a sudden, you know, after the series, you know, coming in initially from Xbox, then over the ensuing three, uh, three games being multi platform. And suddenly it was it was console exclusive to a 360 again. It still is to this day. So like um, um so yeah like this was not a time exclusive or anything. Uh, Splinter Cell Conviction. So you know a a sequel to a major AAA multi-platform franchise at that point. Straight up exclusive to to Xbox 360 and PC to this day. Like it, it never came to Sony platform. Um that was what kind was of surprising to me because that? I had completely forgotten about that. You know when when I was um. 
doing some research on this topic and by research i mean i go on twitter and ask people like hey what are some you know uh, exclusivity uh, you know uh, outrageous that you remember as one, as one does when one is lazy um you know somebody said like hey you know remember splinter cell conviction never came to a certain platform I was like that's not true is it so i went to you know uh, the wikipedia on the internet and it was like oh shit you're right um surprising that one actually i completely forgot about, about that same I, I mean, not the game. Like, the I loved the game, but I, I had no idea yeah. anymore that it was not on pl certain platforms. How was the previous game selling? Do you know that? Um, I mean, was I, the series on the decline decently. at this point? Huh. I don't think so necessarily. I have to admit that um, uh, Double Agent was the, the like. I've, I've played the first three Splinter Cells. I got them all at launch. Double Agent, I did not get at all. Like to this day, I haven't played it. And then conviction, I got absolutely love it. So you know, maybe there were more people than like me. I don't know. Um, Timing-wise, uh, on the PS3, I would think it would have sold well because Double Agent, you know, it, it was still uh, four months or so after launch. So like you know, at a time when there's usually not an embarrassment of great games to play, so you're happy to get any good games. And you know, Double Agent is a good game. So I I don't know how it sold. If that was the reason, or if it was again just a case of Microsoft coming along, being like. We got money, and, and Ubisoft was like, well, we got the Sam Fisher. Yeah, that was a curious case. And uh, one so more late, game. Right? Hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, again. I mean, that game was also in development for a while. I remember they showed it at, like, one of the XO, whatever year it was, events from Microsoft, and then it vanished for a while, and they showed it again, and it looked awesome. Like, I really still love about, love about this game. That was the one where they did this thing where, like, you know... um. Like, you know, like your mission objectives or so, like, were projected on walls in the level, so you had, didn't have to go to mm. menu. I found, like, stylistically, that looked very cool. Yeah, I think um, what, what, yeah, no, what go ahead. buggles me most is, uh, what confuses me most is the fact that um, it came so late in the console cycle where I had the feeling that a lot of the exclusive uh, deals uh, from Microsoft came fairly at the beginning. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, it, it definitely was one of the later ones. But again, you know, as I said, maybe, maybe when they made the deal, like they expect the yeah. game to be out like a year earlier or so. Good point. Uh, and then the last game that I have here on my list, Basti, of course, is is one with a special, you know, meaning and history between you and me. <laughs> in the desk lab. Because um, this one again, it's a sequel to a game that um, you know the previous game has sold well uh, on on several platforms. Um, I think actually, like at this point, like the, the franchise, because let's say, you know, it's Street Fighter. I think at this point, there's probably not many plat gaming platforms who have never had a Street Fighter no. game, including, I mean, the 3DS had a Street Fighter game. And um, then suddenly, Sony and Capcom and Ono san, who is now after 30 years left um, um, Capcom, so you know, maybe, do, do they do that? Like pour out some sake for, for a homie? I've probably, most likely, we should do. We should do it. I have sake here. Pour out some sake for Ono-san. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't care about Street Fighter much. I always found that guy super likable, like in you know live streams yeah. or, or shows or so. Like he seems like a genuinely passionate, very very nice guy actually. Um, but yeah, uh, Street Fighter Five was exclusive to the PS4, and um, as I just mentioned, Basti, uh, it has a special you know meaning of course <laughs> for us because I remember you know there on the world stage of. Of a room with like three people watching, three of our coworkers, I um I whooped your posterior as uh, Vol uh, Vega. 
I was the just most... thinking, what's his name? It's like, what's what's the name of Raphael in, in Street Fighter? It's Vega. It's the cheapest move you can imagine with a kneel I, I, down absolutely. light attack cornering me. And then this was this was this was such a sad and pathetic win. You like they they should like it's a textbook example of cheesing, but it worked, and I won, and that's the only thing that matters. So did, I, I proclaim myself the greatest Vega who ever lived. Like a real champ, also, you jumped up, giving your best Rocky uh, Balboa impersonation, and in your celebration of that total win, um, you ripped up a, a desk lamp. Uh, well, first of all, I have to say the lamp is it, it survived. It was fine. Nothing happened. Uh, second, I, I, I proclaim myself the greatest Vega who ever lived. And third, I will also deny any request to prove this to anybody. You'll just have to take my word that I'm the greatest Vega ever. I won't play the game with you anymore. Or anybody, really. Because <sighs> I suck at fighting games. I, I must, yeah, I must was... admit I'm also bad at fighting games, though. I, oh yeah, I noticed. I mean, oh, you would have to be really you, you would have to be really really bad at fighting games to lose against me. That's that's for sure. Um wow. Yeah, I think like Street Fighter 5, it feels like it was one of the most blatant examples of exclusivity from this generation. Um allegedly the situation is kind of like Bayonetta where Capcom, I mean Capcom was for a while in a tough financial spot. Um it seems like for the last couple of years they've recovered nicely. They had huge success with Monster Hunter World. They had huge success with um, Resident Evil 2 and 3, or in general, the Resident Evil uh, franchise. Devil May Cry 5 did well. So it seems like you know Capcom has had a really good streak. But earlier this generation, things weren't looking so hot for them. And allegedly, they didn't have the money, or they were not willing to put the money into development of Street Fighter. So along came Sony in this case and said, you know, they're willing to at least partially, or the details are a bit hazy, bankroll the development of the game. And Capcom said, like, you know, we love money. It's perfect. Give it to us. And yeah, this is what happened. So, um, and unfortunately, you, you, that launch was a total shit show. Yes, uh, it, the launch was definitely not great because uh, it it launched, uh, let's say, in a very bare bones state. Um, with, uh, I, I think it didn't even have an arcade mode or something, right? No, nothing. Yeah, so it was a super super bare bones, and like the reviews were pretty much like, you know, if you if you only care about fighting against friends. It's a great fighting game. If you want anything beyond that, any you know, like modes that are fun and solo, or so it's not, it's not for you yet. Um, then over time they added more and more stuff, and I think just last week or so they actually announced the season five of of Street Fighter. So it's clearly you know the game has done well enough that it's gotten five seasons of additional characters and new modes and features and stages. I mean, I hear there was but, a there was some more controversy regarding um, microtransactions and stuff like this, but I mean, it's fair to say that the game recovered from that horrendous launch, right? Fairly yeah. well. Fair. I mean, it, it feels like you know, just purely you know from the from the prestige that Series once had, it still feels like a Street Fighter game should have been bigger, um, especially you know when you when you look around, I think like. They're not mainstream hits, but like there's been quite a few successful fighting games this generation, actually. You know, be it Mortal Kombat, being Injustice, yeah. uh, the Dragon Ball game, Tekken 7 is now getting its fourth season of new content or so. But I think the Street Fighter um, is especially important because of the competitive angle, right? I mean, most of the games you mentioned are not really big and competitive uh, in the competitive fighting community, I think. I think actually the Dragon Ball thing is kind of popular for oh, whatever reason. I hate Dragon Ball, but. So much hate. Well. What can I say? I'm angry to speak. Your hate is now. over 9,000. Not so young actually anymore, but... Oh yeah, oh, it's definitely over 9,000 for weep stuff. Um, But yeah, 
It feels like really to me, I cannot think of many examples of, of this generation that were as controversial, you know, for for a case like this, again, a hugely successful in the past, like hugely popular, you know, one of the biggest, most mainstream once upon a time uh, gaming franchises. I mean, no, they had a movie with Jacques-Claude Van Damme and Kylie Minogue. What more can you ask in life, right? And Bison Dollars. And uh, Raul Julia, the actor uh, who played Bison, was his last role and was magnificent. I love that movie just because of his performance. The rest of the movie is an absolute train wreck, but uh, Raul, I will keep you in my, my memories forever. Great man. Here's a confession. I do not know a single other role or movie that Raul Julia was Adam's Family. Seen Adam's Family. Yes. Who, wait, whom did he play? Like the Fester? The father. Is what was Fester? his name again? No. What was his name again? Daddy Adams. Daddy Adams. Oh, it's, what's wrong with my brain? I should, should check it up. But yeah, he played... Uh, what was his name again? The the dad. <laughs> Adam's Adam's man. This is so embarrassing. Captain Adams. Captain Adams. Um, I know the name okay, of the actor, but not, not his famous role. That's uh, stupid. No, his famous role is, is as Bison. To me, at least. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like, unfortunately, you know... Yeah, again, unfortunately, because of course, in an ideal world, you wouldn't want as many people as feasible to be able to play any game they want to. Uh, it seems like this is going to be something we're going to see again in the future. Um, again, there's been a lot of whispers that Final Fantasy 16 probably won't be coming to Xbox you know, on day one or month one or month two. Um, and there's probably going to be more examples of this. Now, Basti, I'm going to put you briefly before we wrap this up into the role of the evil corporate man. Please mm -hmm. justify to the audience why why are you doing why are you specifically Basti? Why are you taking all this money? And doing all these exclusivity deals. Look. Explain look. yourself. You know what's expensive? A yacht. You know what's even more expensive? A Learjet. Oh, true. To fly around to different yachts and wine yachts. Because you don't have, have uh, time to waste. Um, no, to be honest. Um, I think the only justifiable thing is in the case of Bayonetta, etc., we see, okay, there's something which clearly helps the studio or no one else wants to make it. The rest is marketing. I can, I'm not a fan, but I can live with um, stuff you said with uh, small cosmetics, etc. I'm not a fan, but I understand the business uh, side of things. Uh, but especially when you are a huge franchise like the Marvel franchise, for me, it shows a lack, a lack of confidence in your own product. So, if you have to rely on such deals, I think it makes you look weak. And do you really want to look weak? Or are you able to sell your game on its own merits as just a good game? Do you have to rely on business deals like that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not a big fan. And I hope... Um, I also think that, that Sony with that aggressive stance in this console generation does a mistake because they basically... Um, using the old school textbook of old school marketing, being super aggressive. Hey, we are the we we have the biggest games. We have everything. Look at the other losers. While Microsoft and Nintendo are just not joining that party. It's like now we're doing our own stuff. We're trying to be progressive. We have new ideas like Xbox Game Pass because there's not a single episode where I won't. Oh, good have point. Thanks for mentioning Xbox it. I was, Game I was, Pass. We had we hadn't mentioned it today so far. Good job, us. Exactly. So they, they, they are progressive. They say, now we have our own party here. We're happy. Nintendo is absolutely, the Switch is an absolute breakout hit. I think um, the, the, the way 
Microsoft is going, especially for for uh, the upcoming generations, even for the for the future, is a smart move. I think PlayStation will dominate that con uh, that generation in, in hardware sales, but I think on the long run, I would bet my money on Microsoft that they have the way more healthier approach for the future. So yeah, Sony, you're the big player. You're the biggest console player of the world. Don't be such a weak person. There's no need for that. Now I have to say that there is there is one case where exclusivity is necessary, and I think we both know it, both know it because we've both been there, and that is with you know uh, new struggling platforms, notably for example like VR. I mean we've both yeah. worked on um, VR exclusive titles. Yeah. Uh, one for Sony, one for Oculus. And whenever you know we we announced one of these things, there were a ton of people who were using other VR headsets who were very angry at that. They're like, "Why are you doing this?" And the truth is that simply um, making a big budget VR game purely, you know, as, as as a commercial enterprise probably mostly doesn't make sense. You know, it's always um, the first parties who are bankrolling these things, you know, to to build an audience. But like, if you're purely a company that has no stake in, you know. How many VR headsets are sold? You're just making games to make money with. Making a big VR exclusive is probably not a good idea. Um, so you know that is that is to me, for example, a good example of where it makes sense to take money, um, make this game, hopefully get some more people to play, you know, VR titles, and maybe then in the future, once there's a, a sufficient install base, you can make you know games without taking yeah. exclusive money. Well, that means uh, they're pretty much paying for your development of your game, so it's similar to the to the Bayonetta scenario. True, that is a fair point. You are wise beyond years, Basti. And I know. it's quite a few years by now. I, I know. So um, to wrap this up, Basti, what is your... Uh, you know, so you're, 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 I take it you are more erring towards the Xbox side these days? Uh, I mean, coming from a situation that I, that I will buy both consoles because I'm a crazy person. Um, I, I just say try to sell your console and your games and your model on its own merits and don't rely on, on cheap tactics like this one be a cool kid I, I was gonna say what is your what is your dream exclusive announcement that would that you want to see either something like that you yourself want to see or you because want to see the drama online when people see it and react to it so one one exclusive game or one game which w would be clearly a, an exclusive title uh, would be a new vagrant story i would flip the shit i would completely go crazy if they would make a new vagrant story game and um after they basically sold out the most important, most famous uh, superhero character, what's 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 left, Marcel? What can we do? What is to there me, the, if the not Spider-Man? The logical next step is that um, only one console is gonna get Skyrim remake. Nah, nah, Todd won't approve that. You gotta get the money oh, from dude, everyone. Like Everyone on this planet has that, to play that, Skyrim. That, that's what you would have. That's what you would have thought about, like Deathloop or you know, Ghostwire Tokyo. I think uh, Todd is gonna get a, a you know a taste of of money. But look, Skyrim is a modern doom. And rightfully so. Yeah. The Todd. Like the, to be honest, if that happens, that is Skyrim. But that would be a year exclusive most at most but i'm not sure i would it would That'd be healer obviously i don't think there's gonna be a sky but like i i would i would absolutely love to see and i think it would be a great summary of the video games industry in this day and age somebody announced like one new exclusive a skyrim remake on just one next gen console people I'd would be there. riot on the streets sometimes you have to yeah that's true not for skyrim though please well maybe for spider-man 
better. I'm going to put on my Spider-Man mask. I'm going to stay to protest outside my house. Chances are Sony won't ever hear about it, unfortunately. But I, w I know that I will have done the right Keep thing. Keep the spirit alive. So, that was a very spirited... Um, see, again, segue, spirit alive, spirited... Man, it's just, it's just flowing today. It was a very spirited discussion, Busty. I had uh, some semblance of fun. Some semblance of fun? Thank you. You're welcome. That's good, right? It's quite a, quite a compliment. No, it, it's obviously a very interesting topic. As as I mentioned, like if if the rumors, you know, of the of the usual people in the known, are to be trusted, it's probably a topic that we're going to be re revisiting a couple times in the oh, next yeah. you know, year or so. Um, the PlayStation Advantage probably won't end with just Spider-Man and Avengers, so so we will get back to that. Um, just like where we'll get back to you, dear audience, with a new episode next week. But if in the meantime, you know, um. People want to pitch, you know, their their personal personalized training to make you a world class, world warrior in Street Fighter, Busty. How could they reach you? Uh, please tell me how to defend myself go against the most cheap ass moves in Street Fighter history at really, Bastian. Really, the most cheap ass. Tune T H U N at Twitter. Yes. Um, if you don't want to just talk to Basti and make it more formal, you know, in this day and age, you can still use email. I know it's astounding. And you can do that via sending an email to projectilelunchcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can, of course, also, you know, if you like Twitter, but you're kind of scared of Basti, which I can't blame you for, uh, you can talk to us at Plunchcast, P Lunchcast, just one word, close off the tongue, Plunchcast. Or, of course, you can as always talk to me at com underscore raven. And um, yeah. Uh, let's see, you know, what crazy news the world will will uh, conjure up until the next time we record an episode. If last week, if you had asked me, do you think next time, next week we're going to talk about Spider-Man being exclusive to one platform, we said maybe not. So, you know, you never know, Basti. Hmm. Hey, Marcel, I just realized something. Yes, here it comes. We made the Todd Howard joke before the actual end of the episode. Uh, that's okay. You know, Todd is like a wizard. Like, he's never late or early. He appears exactly the moment he wants to. Good point. Good point. We be old school. Yeah, old school. We be old school. Yeah.